From minimum wage to six-figure incomes, high school diplomas to PhDs, this podcast is about the workers who make up our nation's economy. I'm Allie, and this is Employed. That's that's what midwifery is all about. Like Midwifery is about being a partner in someone's health and just really taking that time to educate. Thank you, Karen, for coming on to the show and coming on here to share with everyone what you do. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, Allie. I'm so happy to be here to talk about midwifery. Uh, My name is Karen. I'm a certified nurse midwife. I work in the Central Valley of California in a hospital for a major hospital corporation, and I will leave that hospital anonymous. So tell me, I guess just in layman's terms, what, what does being a midwife mean? Well, literally the term midwife means with women. So a midwife is someone who's with women usually in childbirth, but it also means um, to be with women throughout their lifespan. So we take care of women from puberty through um, throughout the rest of their life, not just in prenatal care and childbirth, but primary care and um, you know all the women's health care needs like contraception. That is great to know. I am going to be learning so much in this interview because like I said, I am really starting from ground zero with this career. I, I know absolutely nothing about it. So I'm excited to, to learn about it. What made you interested in becoming a midwife? I've, I've always loved babies, but when I was pregnant with my first baby and started learning about midwifery care, I was really captivated. I had midwifery care with my uh, fourth baby that was a very beautiful experience. I I wanted to learn more about how to help women. And then uh, with my last pregnancy, I, I had a bad experience with my healthcare provider. And I came out of that experience saying, I want to do something to make a difference for women. So I went to school and became a nurse. And then I got a master's degree in science and I am a certified nurse midwife. So let's lead into that. Tell us about the education, the certification, the licensing required to become a certified midwife. In the United States, there are several kinds of midwives. Um, The majority of midwives, about 13,000 are certified nurse midwives. And that is a midwife who has a degree in nursing and then an advanced practice degree, like a nurse practitioner um, level master's degree or doctoral degree that, um, and then is licensed by their state. So to, you know, to do that, you go to university, you take a lot of science classes, and you also do clinicals where you're working either in a hospital, a birth center, or home birth, um, doing birth with another midwife who's supporting you. Um, It's, it's, it's a challenging um, career path, but very rewarding. Um, There are other kinds of midwives in the United States. So in many states, it's legal for anyone to call themselves a midwife, and deliver babies with no training. It's, uh, they're called community midwives or lay midwives, and it's, it's possible that they can provide good care, but it's also possible that they aren't always a safe option for women. And then in the middle is a certified professional midwife, and they also have um, education and training and certification and are licensed in most states, but their path's a little, a little different from the nurse midwife. The certified professional midwife um, might do an apprenticeship model where instead of going to university, mm-hmm. they they do take courses and then they um, like job shadow for a while and then are a birth assistant and then they are the primary midwife and get their experience that way. Most of those midwives um, or all of those midwives practice out of hospital. 
certified nurse midwives like myself, we can practice home birth, hospital birth, or um, birth center births. Four to ten percent of births across the board in the United States are, are, are with midwives, and about two percent are home births. One of the questions from the listeners said, "What, um, like, in what situation would you?" choose to have a midwife if you already have an OB? I'm trying yeah, to... Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting question because I wasn't sure if she was saying like, I have an OB, should I hire a midwife too? And the answer is no, you choose one or the other. The clinic where I work, you might see an obstetrician one visit and then the midwife at your next visit. Okay. The midwives do all the vaginal deliveries at our hospital and the doctors help out with forceps and vacuums and C-sections. If I have a patient who needs a C-section, I go to the C-section and I'm the surgical assistant. So I stay with her for the whole time and help her with that kind of a birth as well. Yeah. But back to that question of like, um, if I have an obstetrician, should I choose a midwife? And not necessarily. Um, if you, if you are a high risk pregnancy, you, you might want to stay with your doctor who can provide a high, a high level of medical care. For instance, if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney disease, something that um, requires a lot of medical monitoring, it's a good idea to stay with someone who has that kind of medical background. Uh, midwives always collaborate with physicians. So I do see high-risk patients, but that's when the doctor's already um, seen her, laid out a plan of care, and then I help with prenatal care. And something that I'm really um, promoting and, and enjoying hearing talked about right now is someone can have a high-risk pregnancy and a low-risk delivery, meaning a doctor took really great care of her and her blood pressure or her blood sugars or whatever was going on. But at the actual birth, she got to have a midwife and have that gentle human touch that midwives bring. That's some great perspective. What are the demographics of your field? I would imagine this is a heavily female dominated profession. What do you see? You are so right. Out of my cohort, there were no men. Now, that being said, we did have men, but we had the same classes that the family nurse practitioner students had. So they were in our cohort until the last, the last semester, um, you know, we went towards midwifery and they finished up, but we also were trained in primary care. But those, those men were, um, none of them were becoming midwives. There are male midwives. Okay. They're rare, but they, they're there. And, um, you know, people sometimes like to joke about like, if it's a, a midwife, is it a mid husband? No, they're still midwives. They're still with women. The wives are the patient, like, you know, in quotation midwives, but, um, think about it, how no one thinks a male obstetrician is strange. Mm -hmm. And so it should be, um, easy to see how a male midwife would do a great job too. There's no reason to to limit that by your gender. I guess age is another one that I want to I want to ask about because and this might be, you know, the piece of me that's very naive. I imagine midwifery as an older profession. Is that accurate? There is a a rich heritage of grand midwives, these older women you know, like maybe back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, who were in their community and taking great care of, of women through midwifery care. Today, college graduates are young and women can go straight through nursing school and choose their area to specialize in and become a nurse midwife and graduate and they're in their early 20s. I, I had a student recently who graduated at um, age 25 and 
she actually got an award from our large university for um, the young whippersnapper award because she was so good. So age, while experience is great and adds a real depth to the kind of care you can give, um, a young woman can be trained just like a young physician. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, you know, they, you don't have to be older to become a physician. The same with a midwife. Right. Now, um, a lot of women do practice as a nurse, maybe for 10 years, oh, wow. okay. and then say, I, I want to make more of a difference and I'm going to become a midwife. And so out of the 11 midwives in the practice I'm in, only three are under age 40. Okay, let's talk about salary. And obviously, this is going to range state to state and based on your certification, I'm sure. But what range of salary can someone typically expect to make, let's say, in your position as a certified nurse midwife in the state of California? California pays a little better than some states I've lived in. Um, I would say the starting range in California would be 120 to 150,000 a year. And then there's some birth center positions who don't pay as well when they don't have that big corporation behind them. Um, they're going to pay more in the $90,000 a year range. Other States I've lived in pay maybe even less than an RN would make. So maybe like $40 an hour. Besides the state that you live in, what other factors might go into that? Would it, would, would a lot of it depend on your education level? Would it depend on your certification? Well, we all have the same education, so we're at least uh, at least trained in a master's degree. the the ch- The difference is geographic cost of living, and how much the local community values women and children. So if if you want to invest in women and children, you're going to pay more for, for their health care. I don't know if this, this question would be relevant, but how is your progress measured? How do you know that you are getting better at your job or, you know, is someone managing you to, to kind of go over these things? I really liked that question because it made me reflect on how I'm measured. Our hospital is measured on, um, on different, um, benchmarks such as like c-section rates and things like that but as a as a person i clearly remember the day where i was no longer that very nervous midwife who lacked confidence and was just like praying every moment at a birth (laughs) and just you know focusing like when i relaxed into it and i left a birth saying oh that was a fun empowering experience for all of us. And I, so that that's one measurement, just like gaining experience. As far as who manages me, I managed by the chief midwife. So she, we have one, a midwife who's our leader. She does help us set goals. And um, our, our goals are more um, geared to how we contribute to our company that we work for. I find different areas of interest and then do some continuing education in those areas. So I have a personal uh, interest in lactation. I'm interested in, in the um, gut microbiome and helping women um, increase their natural immunity. Um, I am not managed by a physician. So certified nurse midwives in the state of California and in many, most states are independent practitioners. So we don't have to be supervised by a physician and we don't have someone like checking our work. Now that said, we all work together and we have um, like similar uh, protocols and goals and outcome. And we 
all day long, we're talking with each other about the patient, how we can, you know, manage their care the best. We come up with a plan of care together, not because they're supervising me, but because I really respect them and they, you know, they respect what I bring um, to the patient care. What are your typical work hours? Obviously with childbirth, we can't plan around when that's going to happen. What are the work hours that you, you set for yourself? So right now I work for a company that sets my hours and I work two 12 hour hospital shifts where I'm just on labor and delivery, hanging out with moms and helping them welcome their babies into the world. I also do postpartum visits and teach about breastfeeding and taking care of themselves after baby's born and do contraception. And then once a week I'm in the clinic for eight hours doing just regular prenatal visits, measuring tummies, talking about pregnancy, childbirth, listening to the baby's heartbeat, teaching and helping women make, um, just guiding their choices towards labor and delivery. Now I've had other jobs. The job before this, I was in private practice and I set my own hours. So I was in the clinic three days a week, sometimes three and a half days a week. And then whenever someone went to labor, then I headed up to the hospital and I lived close to the hospital and could get there fast. So that made it doable, but that, that schedule was hard to maintain. I headed towards burnout pretty quickly being on call 24 seven. The most, I would say most of the time midwives are in a practice where they share call. So Mm -hmm. two, three, four, five, six midwives who split up the week. Okay. They're in clinic all week. And then they each have their day that they're on call or their two days that they're on call. And um, that leads me to the question where you asked, um, are you with other people in a, in a day? Are you Mm -hmm. working by yourself? That was my favorite question because as a student, you're with a preceptor at all your births. You're with this wonderful, wise midwife who's teaching you. And you're just like soaking up, just being in her presence and learning about helping women And then when you graduate and you get your first job, you're like, oh no, I'm by myself now. I, not just that I'm in charge, but I'm working by myself. So um, it it can be a little bit lonely to be by yourself. Uh, There are some out of hospital settings and birth birth center settings where you have more of that support system. You have um, assistant midwives, student midwives, uh, birth assistants, RNs. Um, and they're all right there together, um, which is a model also that's very labor intensive, but maybe has more of that um, female social circle kind of supportive perks to the job. Going back to, you know, your hours that you explained currently at the hospital. So does that mean that you guys have a specific caseload, like, you know, patient X, Y, and Z are your patient's I imagine not if you guys have specific shifts. We have specific shifts. Yeah. So when I, um, I'll I'll walk you through a day at my job right now. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I arrive a little before eight and I change into scrubs and then I go to this meeting where the midwives and doctors who are going off meet with the midwives and doctors who are coming on and we go over all the patients who are in labor and on postpartum and just say um, kind of what, what their status is, what their preferences are. And then, um, I'm assigned a couple of the patients and the other midwife takes a few of the patients and the doctors have the high risk patients. And um, then I go and meet them. And a lot of times I've met them before in clinic and um, just take care of them for the next 12 hours. So some of them will deliver on my shift and some won't. 
But in this model, we are not, um, the, the woman is not guaranteed to have her midwife at her delivery. Sure. Okay. Okay. So in my, in my previous job where I was in private practice, I attended um, 98% of my own patients' births. They saw me for all their prenatal care and I went to their births. Unless I had to be at a funeral or was on vacation, um, I was there for them. It was a very satisfying, but also, um, like I said, a high burnout rate. And do you feel like the current model that you guys have at your hospital allows for a proper work-life balance? Yeah, it's a great work-life balance. And, and I find it's very easy to make a quick connection with the laboring woman and um, we have beautiful births. Yeah. And I want to ask a little bit more about that is, can you kind of describe the interaction between you and a patient? What is that like? What are you guys generally discussing and what's the, what's the, for lack of a better term, vibe like? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a casual, relaxed vibe. I usually, you know, pull up a chair and sit at the bedside and just chat with the, the mom and her partner, um, talk a little bit about her labor plans, how she's feeling, what are her emotions are. I, I like to always ask, what are your concerns right now? Or is there anything worrying you? I do that at the prenatal visit and in labor because sometimes moms sit there and worry and don't say uh, and because um, we're having, um, you know, a lot of black maternal mortality in the news this week, they actually named it um, the black maternal mortality week. I had a, I want to mention a patient this week who said, I'm not afraid of labor. My mom had all these babies vaginally and I know I can do it, but I'm afraid of having a stroke and dying. Wow. This was a young, healthy woman who, because I took the minute to say like, what's worrying you? She could say, I'm afraid of dying. And that was a good conversation for us to have. Back to that question is like kind of the vibe. Um, and then I usually would ask if I can feel her belly. I want to feel how strong her contractions are. I give her some guidance. Like I like you to get out of bed and walk around a little bit, get up and go to the bathroom, changing positions. Um, I like to actually do hands-on care where I'm helping her stretch and reposition, pressing on certain ligaments to kind of get those to relax and release. And I'm really have that physical connection as well. Let's talk a little bit about maybe what are some really good days that have stood out to you um, that this sort of reaffirmed that you were doing the right thing. You know, there's so many beautiful birth stories that I can't even start there, but I want to tell you about a couple of patients I had um, that were like the payback moments for all the hard work I did to get through wow. school. Yeah. One woman um, was a meth user. She only came to one prenatal visit. And then um, maybe I met her like around 17 weeks and mm -hmm. then she didn't come back until her water broke at about 32 weeks, which is way too early. And when she, when she had those pains come on, she was so scared. She, she tried to use some meth to medicate that. It didn't work. She realized it's labor. So when she goes to the hospital, she's in big trouble now and um, really worried she's going to lose her baby. Now, I didn't really know this woman. I'd met her one time. But when someone is... Um, at 32 weeks, we try to, we try to stop their labor long enough for them to get some steroids for the baby. We give them antibiotics so they don't get infected. 
and she, and she did, she did great. Her baby was doing well, um, but she was in the hospital for weeks. So every single day I round on her. So just like physician rounding, like midwife, I had my rounds that I have to do in the morning before I can go to the clinic. And I made time to like really sit with her and visit with her. And um, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. You know, it was kind of just like a chit chat. Like, how is your day? Are you bored out of your mind laying here with these four walls? But I do remember one time I, I was talking to her about her fear of losing her baby. And I said to her, all you can do is be honest from this point forward. Just tell them, I want to stop taking drugs. I want my baby and I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. And mm -hmm. honestly, I'm a mom. I tell my kids stuff like that all the time. Like just yeah. come clean, do your best. Well, she ended up, um, being delivered, I think at 34 weeks and baby was in the NICU for a bit, but did really well. And she stopped by my office with a gift, a very humble, sweet gift. And she said, you changed my life. And I was just like, I changed your life. Like oh I, gosh. I didn't do anything. Just someone empowering her to have the strength to say, I'm going to quit drugs and I'm going to be honest. She got to take her baby home and she's doing great. That, that was a payback moment. And then the other woman I want to talk about had gestational diabetes. And when you have gestational diabetes, you have to um, follow a special diet and it's, you know, it's low carb. It's, it's a lot of vegetables and meat. It's, it's not fun. It's hard when you're pregnant, but she, she had the courage to do it. And she followed it so well that she started feeling really good. And she thought, you know what, I can stop smoking. And she had smoked through all her pregnancies. She was obese and just following this diet stopped the weight gain. And she had a really good, healthy outcome. And she felt so good about herself that she got out of a bad relationship with this man who also had, you know, other, his own issues. And she looked completely transformed when she came to her six week postpartum visit. She had lost weight. She was radiant. She was breastfeeding feeling really happy with her choices. And I just thought the power to, of education and changing your diet and knowing that you can take charge of your health. That's, that's what midwifery is all about. Like midwifery is about being a partner in someone's health and just really taking that time to educate them. Mm -hmm. And that's our motto at the American college of nurse midwives is listen to women. So listen to women. They're the experts in their bodies they, they know what they want and you can inform them and help them make a decision about their healthcare that could change their life. So I kind of got in a soapbox there, but that's, those are my two women I wanted to share with you. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing those stories. I, those are great outcomes. So then on the other end, what's a bad day at work or what's a challenge that you face a lot? For me, a bad day at work is when midwives are disrespected when midwives are undermined. If there's a political structure um, in healthcare that doesn't support um, midwifery care, when midwives are fired, when midwives, um, the whole practice is shut down, that's a bad day at work for me. Um, luckily, I work in a very, very supportive um, environment that values the contribution that midwives make to women's health care. For listeners who 
might be concerned about becoming a midwife for that very reason, would you give advice to them on like what things to look for in preparing for a career in midwifery? We need we need young midwives. We need midwives who have the energy and the passion to make legislative changes. So this year in California, we um, passed some legislation to have certified nurse midwives be independent practitioners. And that took a lot of hard work. And sometimes older midwives are too tired to do that. We need young women who will fight for the rights of their profession. And midwifery is, um, it's, it's a rich, midwifery is just a wonderful profession. It's an old profession. There's so much um, diversity in it. And we need women of all backgrounds and, and political persuasions to join together to, to do good for women. My next question, some people have a response for it, some people don't, but did you experience something weird or unexpected uh, in your job? I, I've had lots of stories with women who are laboring and, um, you know, have their baby in the car, have the baby in the parking lot. I've had women calling me and I'm like, come on down to the hospital. And they, you know, don't even get out of their driveway and have their baby. So, um, but that, that brings me to um, a question that was on here about, about the safety of midwifery. And I think when yeah. people wonder if midwifery is safe, they're wondering is out of hospital birth safe? So definitely when you're in the hospital with a certified nurse midwife, you're, you're just as safe as, as with an obstetrician because the doctors are right there. If there's anything abnormal, the first thing we're going to do is just say, can you come in here? Um, but is out of hospital safe. So women um, have been having babies out of hospital for centuries and um, some countries still have the majority of their hospital or their births out of hospital and just high risk ones at the hospital, including, um, you know, some Scandinavian countries and Great Britain. And in the United States, we have the opportunity to hire someone who's really skilled in out of hospital birth and who's going to um, provide the screening so that they know the patient had good prenatal care, is low risk lives close enough to the hospital to transfer and has a relationship with the hospital who could take care of you and, and help you have a safe out of hospital birth experience. Um, where we run into trouble is if you have a birth attendant who is not skilled or doesn't have a connection with the hospital, there can be that delay in getting help because they don't want to transfer. They won't be able to go to the hospital with their patient. They don't know how they're going to be treated if they go to the hospital, if they're going to be um, barred at the door or accused of something or not get paid. Um, so, you know, there's been uh, stories of um, midwives who, who didn't provide the best of care, I guess. Um, and then that gets sensationalized in the media. So I would say if you're considering out of hospital birth, just make sure that the, um, the midwife really is trained and skilled in, in her field. There also is a train for unattended birth where you just deliver your own baby or have your husband deliver it. And I think sometimes that's for financial reasons, but also women and families sometimes choose that because they're afraid if they go to the hospital, they're going to lose control over their rights to determine their care, which is another reason to choose a certified nurse midwife so that you're listened to and respected. I want to jump down to one of the listeners questions. Um, what has been your favorite type of birth to attend? A home birth, water birth, 
hospital birth. Why? I've done them all. I've had a home birth. I've had a C-section. I've had hospital births. I've had unmedicated hospital births. I've had epidural hospital births. But for me, um, my favorite moment is when the mother says, if I can do that, I can do anything. Like she's just like on this high, like I just did something really hard and now now I'm unstoppable. I also remember a time where a woman pushed and pushed and pushed like three and a half hours of pushing and her big old baby came out and she had a big laceration. And her first thing that she said was, I just had the best birth. And we looked at each other and thought, yeah, you did. It doesn't matter that you had to have some stitches or that you had to work really hard. Like none of that matters when you look at that baby and you felt supported and you felt like you're strong. And, you know, with the, I I think this, this listener is speaking mostly to maybe the home births, but what, what do you do in an emergency situation where you're not at the hospital? And of course this is heavily going to depend on what actually is going on, but. Okay. So if, if, if you're a home birth midwife and I, you know, I'm answering for them and they probably should answer for themselves, but you call 911 that's what you do. And you might, um, depending on if you're a certified nurse midwife, you would start an IV, you might draw labs, you do emergency measures, depending on what the emergency is. And you, you, you call 911, you get to the hospital fast. You know, my friends that work at the birth center next to the hospital, it's a freestanding birth center owned by the midwives and emergencies are very rare. Like when they transfer to the hospital, it's mostly because the the woman is so tired she needs an epidural or is requesting an epidural it's not they're not transferring because she's bleeding too much that's that's more rare than you think because they've really screened screened women you know sometimes maybe you have to transfer because the baby is needing some support breathing but they have the oxygen at the birth center at the home birth as well and they're helping that baby breathe and if if baby is just you know breathing too hard or too fast then they would go to the hospital the another listener question is what are your thoughts on the show call the midwife i'm i'm guessing she's wondering if it's accurate <laughs> what are your thoughts on that well i loved the book call the midwife it's the actual memoirs of jenny this certified nurse midwife in the dockyards of london in the late 50s and early 60s and the pbs or um, bbc production of it is beautiful visually beautiful the characters are delightful and I, I like how it normalizes birth, you know, when they put a newspaper under your bottom on your own bed and you just have your baby and there you go. The midwives come to your house. And I think that's, that's a really good example of how that wasn't that long ago that only, only if there's a complication, did the doctor bother to, to go and have you come into the hospital subsequent, you know, it's been going on there season after season. And now they're just making up stories. They're out of Jenny's actual stories, but it's still really fun to, to see the difference midwives make in their community. So if you, if you haven't read that book, you got to get it. What is the end goal for someone in your position or maybe for a midwife? Is there a certain position that they want to end up in or accomplish in their career? It's, it's not like other careers where you're trying to go up the corporate ladder. Uh, there's always someone who wants to be the chief midwife, I guess, or go into a, a, a nursing leadership position. Um, as midwives, 
I think as an older midwife, we want to be able to make a difference, but also have time for our families and have time off. And um, some midwives want to be published and do research. Some want to um, teach. So as they're heading into like retiring from actually working on the floor, maybe start teaching at a university, teaching other midwife students or just nursing students. And some, some midwives leave and start their own practice. Yeah, there's a lot of avenues, a lot of there's opportunities, lot of avenues, it sounds yeah. like. I think there was a, a listener question about doulas. And that's a really common misconception about midwives that midwives and doulas are the same things and it couldn't be farther from the truth. So we, we work together and midwives love doulas, but doulas are a birth support person and midwives are a medical professional. So the doula can't provide any medical services, but can help educate you about your pregnancy, help, mm-hmm. help kind of keep your space um, sacred for you and make sure you're listened to and your wishes are, uh, are listened to. And then they also, um, you know, sometimes as a midwife, I do labor sit, meaning I stay with the patient the whole time she's laboring and squeeze her hips and do the things. But sometimes, um, if you have a doula, she's doing that. So she's rubbing your back. She's helping you go up to the bathroom and reminding you to take a drink of water. Sometimes she's taking, um, birth photos and pictures like those lovely Instagram pictures. They can um, do postpartum lactation help as well. Uh, their, their services are usually not covered by insurance, uh, because they're not healthcare professionals, but, um, laws are being, um, enacted to try to get some health insurance coverage for them because, there's really good evidence that having a doula at your birth reduces your risk of C-section and other interventions. So they are a really valuable part of the birth team, but um, I am not a doula and a doula is not a midwife. You know, I have to bite my tongue because I've been asked, like there's been so many misconceptions like a million times. Like people assume that I'm a home birth midwife, that I just bring my roll of paper towels and show up at your house and like, help you have your baby. But actually I prescribe medication. I, I suture, I work in surgery. I have a science degree. I have a lot of knowledge about health systems and um, female reproductive care and have a lot to bring to the table. I guess what advice would you give to any listener who is thinking of starting a career in midwifery? Here's what I want you to do. After you listen to this, if you want to be a midwife, I want you to pick up the phone and make an appointment for your annual exam with a certified nurse midwife. Meet a midwife, get your birth control from a midwife, get your health care from a midwife, and they'll, that will be a mentor or a person who can answer your questions. You can see how wonderful they are. There are so many wonderful um, people working as midwives that you know, just, just go for it. It, It's not an easy job. It's a very rewarding job. And there are barriers. There are some political barriers with um, access to midwifery care. But um, so overall, I would say go for it because it's a, it's a great way to contribute to society to help people and make a good living. A big thank you to Karen for donating her time to the show. For anyone interested in finding a midwife, please check out the episode notes for details. Follow us on Instagram at Employed Podcast and visit our website, employedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.